0: Hello and welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Ridlin, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. For today, I have a special treat. I have another guest joining us today who is pretty much an expert in biblical counseling or I would say he's an expert. Um, His name is Greg Methvin and he actually has personally helped me. Last semester, I went through a bit of a difficult time adjusting to a move and having had a lot of traumatic things happen in our family, and I found Greg through Hope for the Heart and had several sessions with him, and he really helped me um, as a biblical counselor to find hope in the suffering that we were enduring at the time. So Greg, as I said, he is a biblical counselor, and he works for Hope for the Heart, and he's also pastored Baptist and Anglican churches for the past 35 years. He is a spiritual coach and a counselor with HopeWorks Counseling. And he also serves as leadership leadership consultant with churches and businesses. You can enjoy Greg's writing and encouragement at com. Hi, Greg. How are you?
1: Hi, Crystal. It's so good to hear your voice, and uh, thank you for the kind intro. I'm going to record it and listen to it every day when I wake up.
0: <laughs> Sometimes we need that encouragement, especially on the tough days.
1: Right, right, right. I'm so glad for our friendship and um, <laughs> grateful to be joining you today.
0: Well, I am really glad you you are joining me. Um, so for today, I'm going to let you just kind of, if there's anything you want to tell about yourself other than what I just said, you'll just maybe give us a little bit of information about yourself, maybe, you know, like if you have any, a wife, a kids. if you have any particular passions in your field.
1: Sure, yeah, I've been uh, married for 27 years to Stephanie, we have uh, two young adult daughters who are um, 23 and 20 years old, and so this is a fun time of life with them and uh and love what i do um i've moved out of the local church over the last couple of years and uh doing a lot of work spending a time uh, a lot of time with individuals um and the the title spiritual coach uh is is a little different some people say well what is that exactly and um there There used to be an old title for what I do, which was called a spiritual director and i didn't like that title mm-hmm. uh, but I, I like the idea of a spiritual coach because we know what coaches do if you um if you want a life coach you're looking for somebody to help uh help your life get better if you're looking for a singing coach you're looking to sing a little bit better um, A spiritual coach is someone who comes alongside you and helps you tap into god's uh, love and power um, for your life so that things get better. And that's what I love to do.
0: That sounds like a great definition. And um, I think that it it makes sense, right? If we need other coaches for all these other things to teach us how to, you know, be a better gymnast or a basketball player. Or, right. Um, you know, we definitely need some spiritual coaching. Um, a big part of what I do is I'm a licensed professional counselor And one area that I specialize in is in bringing the power of the Holy Spirit into my practice, which Mm. is really interesting to me that even people that oftentimes advertise as professional Christian counselors, I've come to realize as a client in their office that they don't often even bring the Bible or the Holy Spirit into sessions. Mm. And uh, that has made me very sad over the years. And so I've stepped out with God's calling To make a place where people can go and get professional help as well as um, integrating the spiritual lives because I think you and I both know that if we don't bring the spiritual aspect, God's healing into somebody's heart and soul and anything else is a band-aid approach. You're not actually healing the wound from deep. You're just covering it up symptoms of a deeper issue.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and sounds I, and I, good. And I love the work that you do, and and your giftedness. And um, uh, so grateful for uh, licensed professional coaches and therapists. But I think that you're right. Um, when we think about addressing problems, um, we're often just talking about those immediate circumstances. And from you know my understanding, um, you know the heart of who we are is that we're spiritual people. Uh, we're not just people who have a spiritual life we just don't go to church uh, and do spiritual things to make our lives feel a little bit better but at the bottom we are spiritual people and um, that old verse in proverbs uh, that reminds us to guard our hearts because from it flow the springs of life i I think is putting a finger on that issue that it 's not just a part of who we are it 's the essence of who we are, and so we have to pay attention to that um, and and dig deeper into the roots of those issues like you say
0: exactly that's I like how you say that, and you know recently I, you probably know this i think i 've talked to you about this. my grandma passed away, mm-hmm. and I was there with her, and I was there one hour before she took her last breath and it was a lot happened in that hour but the one thing that anytime you 've sat with somebody who 's passed into the next life heaven um or you know there's also hell i really believe my grandma went to heaven mm. um but when you see somebody leave this world and their body is left behind it's like this eye opening awareness of my grandma was not that body that was her shell
1: mm. right there
0: was it's the soul that we need to help heal and i think in the secular world they're just not taking into consideration the the spirit that God has put in us. Everything else is just, you know, it's our temple that God's given us here on earth. But this we leave behind. And so as a counselor, I know I focus, I focus my, my main goal is helping people to understand their spirit and who they are in Christ. Because when I found no matter what their struggle is, if they can find out just who God is, and believe, and learn, and understand who he says he is in the Bible, then they actually find confidence, not because of something they did, but because of what Christ is going to do in, in and through them. So that's a little bit about what I do, and that's what I've seen you do with me in the several sessions that we've had together, um, always reminding me of, you know, the suffering that we endure on earth is is temporary. Um, and always pointing me to Jesus. That's what I needed. I needed to know that even in the midst of this dark time, this painful time, this stressful time, this anxious time, that there was a father in heaven who was right there with me. And, um, he was, there was something deeper and bigger. (laughs) There was some bigger purpose in my struggle. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, great writers and leaders in the past, uh, you know, men like Dallas Willard and C.S. Lewis, have reminded us that everybody, you know, whether you do church or not, everybody is being formed spiritually. You've invited uh, something or someone to uh, have such a profound impact on the core of who you are. Um, but for those of us who allow that um, person to be God in Christ, Uh, you know, the benefits and the power that come from that is extraordinary, just like you've experienced. Um, And as the Bible's promised that even when we go through the darkest of times, we're not alone And the pieces that we seem to hold of our life. Um, He manages to do something beautiful when he puts them back together. And um, I'm grateful that you're letting him do that in your life.
0: And my goal is that's actually the The motto of the practice is victorious living is not only a dream, but a real possibility through Christ. Mm. And God gave me that as a student because I was in the process of working through a lot of stuff in a Christian therapy office from my past. I was very abused.
1: Mm. There was a
0: lot of drugs and alcohol. And I overcame a lot through Christ. And I found Jesus when I was 15, and it made all the difference. And God just told me, I was sitting on the beach doing my devotion, and God just said, here's the name of your practice, and here's the motto. And he's like, you're going to have people come to you who've been very, very hurt at the hands of other people. And you're going to have people who've made many, many decisions that are out of God's will, who are full of shame and guilt. And they need to know that the moment they surrender their heart to Jesus, that they can have a victorious life, not a pain-free life, or a, a life without struggle, but a victorious life once they surrender their hearts to Jesus.
1: Wow, that's a uh, that's solid counsel, and I love hearing your story, and um, uh, th- th- that's so powerful. I'm sure people hear that, and, and I know I talk to people, and you do too, who hear a story like that and go, wow, I wish God would talk to me that way, <laughs> and, um, and I know that a big part of our work is helping people notice how God is already at work around them and um, and the mm-hmm. ways that he's uh, getting their attention and, and possibly the things that he is saying to them. Exactly. And,
0: and that's why it's so important what we're going to talk about today is biblical counseling. Yeah. Because when we are in my practice, I say that I am a professional counselor. I use psychology. Right um but more than I use psychology I bring the holy spirit and god's word mm. because it is not my job to confront or convict or um it's, got, it's the holy spirit's job and he does he speaks to us through his word and so I know that that's the premise for what you do as a biblical counselor and I was going to start with Hebrews 4:12 mm. which is for the word of god is alive and active sharper than any double edged sword It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account.
1: Mm. Yes,
0: I know you've heard that verse before.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's so powerful and and it opens up the conversation of, um, you know, what, is the Bible supposed to do? Uh, how does it get activated in my life? Because, you know, certainly when I sit down and visit with people, it's not a Bible study. We we don't sit down and crack open the Bible and say, you know, what's your problem and go to the index and try to find a verse and speak it out loud. But, um, it's the question of, you know, how do we take the contents of God's word and apply them to the issues that we're experiencing right now? And, um, and we find that when we do um, and we listen and we interact with God through his word um, the the results that come from that um, his presence, his wisdom, his guidance um, is is profound and um, and it is a living thing just just as you read and just as you said
0: exactly good point. Have you ever come across clients? I know that I have when I first begin to maybe they haven 't really read the Bible, or they're intimidated by the Bible yeah. oftentimes, and one of my jobs is to help bring the Bible to them in a way that makes it alive, where they can feel like, I'll read a few verses, and I've heard people say, I didn't even know that was in there. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it, it, and it is an overwhelming book, um, and, and it's, we, we probably should even call it a single book. It's more like a library, <laughs> right? And, um, yeah, exactly. And, and just as, uh, as, as if you get dropped into a giant library, it it helps to have a little guidance of knowing where to go to get the kind of information that you're looking for. And so it is expansive, it is, it is large, but, um, it, 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 it is still accessible, uh, you know, even to all. And I've certainly lived, you know, long enough to, to, to bank a number of memories of how I've encountered God. know, even as a young child, just leafing through Bible storybooks and uh, the way that that shaped my heart and my mind, even at a young age, um, being a young teenager and just trying to get through the Bible, reading along with my church. And and there were days where I was reading where I was kind of also dozing, but I remember um, profound moments that uh, I just sensed God's presence in, in a way that really formed me. And got my attention, and often inspired and directed me in ways I really wasn't trying to manufacture. Um, so yeah, it can be overwhelming, but when people begin to say, I'm going to make some room in my life to start paying more attention, um, it, it's amazing how God will use that willingness to, to begin to speak and direct in our life.
0: Uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I remember I was just thinking of the early days when I became a believer and I didn't really have much to hold on Mm. to. Like I had moved out of my mom's house. I was living with a family. I felt very alone. I didn't realize that just being in a place where I suddenly felt safe actually meant that all of the the trauma was going to basically follow me and be like a dark cloud Mm. that was over me. And I remember just feeling like I could never be enough. And I laid on my bed and just cried out to God. And I'm like, why can I not be enough? Like, what is wrong with me? I was trying so hard to please people and mm. to make everybody happy. And back in those days, we didn't have Google. We couldn't search <laughs> up scriptures for people who, you know, feel like a failure. And so I just I just, I said, God, I need you to speak to me. And I opened my Bible right to Galatians 1.10. Well wow and where it talks about we are not called to be people pleasers we're called to please God alone and if we are trying to please people then we can't really call ourselves a servant of Christ just simple times like that where god has, has he has shown me the power of his word but there's often it's a lot of times even as a grown <laughs> spiritual mature christian of i don't know maybe 24 years now um just realizing that sometimes I sit down and I'm overwhelmed and I still have this fleshly thing that wants to tell me that um, oh that the Bible isn't going to help you with this <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and when I go and walk with the spirit um, and I finally sit down and I you know push those defeating thoughts away, God always shows up it's I, I've learned that God rewards obedience more than anything else. He'd, there's nothing in my power that I'm going to go to the Word and do something great. It's that I'm going to obey God, and in that obedience, God's going to show up.
1: Yeah, there, that, what, that's a wonderful story. and It reminds me of um, this long-ago British pastor. His name was F.B. Meyer. And uh, one of his quotes that he would say was that God's voice most often travels along the thin wire of Scripture— that's an old metaphor. We'd have to update it to be a wireless signal now, oh, wow. it's, uh, but God, that God's voice most often will come to us through scripture. I, I find that in my own life to be pretty dependable. And and the power of that word, like you just described, is that it um, it has the power to overwrite some of the mental uh, playlists that we've acquired ever since our childhood. Right. We all get those messages our family or from, from peers, and, and it plays in our head over and over, and, it, and it, it shapes the way that we see the world, shapes how we feel about ourselves and about others. But when God's voice is allowed to get on the inside of who we are through his scriptures, you know, all of a sudden those words have a weight and a significance and can reshape kind of how we think and how we feel and how we approach our lives.
0: Exactly. And one of the things that that made me think about is um, I would say that my big, my greatest job that God's given me as a Christian counselor is to begin. There's a lot of people who come to me who grew up in very legalistic churches Mm -hmm. where people used God's word as a weapon um, or shaming them into doing what they felt. Rather, than as like in Second Corinthians chapter 7, where it clearly states um, that basically, um, I'm actually going to go there. I'm sure you probably know right where I'm going. Um, right? It's like he talks about um, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation mm. and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, and what readiness to see justice done. Mm. And so as a counselor, I am working to undo shame that has been instilled in the lives of many people for many years, even to a point that sometimes they walk away from the church. Um, and helping them to see, like, if you walk away from a conversation feeling condemned, that is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, he says, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But if we walk away feeling in the way that we want to, because there are truths that are hard to hear, right? That's the godly sorrow, but it's more of an eagerness. It's more of a, you know what? I need to. I need to get my life right. I need to get right with God. I need to repent and ask those I've hurt to, you know, to forgive me. Um, That's, I don't know. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say, like, just this idea of like, I'm pretty sure, because I've seen that's how you work with me too, when I've worked with you is to help me to see, I never feel shame when I'm talking to you, whereas I have when I've talked to some other pastors or biblical counselors at times, I've heard people say, have you died to yourself today? And I'm Mm. like, um, (laughs) I'm not real sure. Like, and I'm like, I think there's a point, a place for that type of conversation, but usually it's gonna, in a healthy way, it's going to come after empathizing and, um, helping people to understand that, you know, we understand your hurt, we care about your heart um, and then confront and love. So I'll let you follow up with that comment.
1: Yeah, it uh, it is ironic, and and I have been guilty of it as well. I, I'm sure uh, in, in my in my own Christian walk and in my own leadership in the church, it is ironic sometimes that when we get serious about the Bible, how the results that sometimes come from that seriousness um, is very restricting, can sometimes um, be extraordinarily burdensome, uh, but when we really dig in to get a fresh experience of what God is saying and uh, and the image of of who Jesus showed us God really is that really what 's there is is a is a love, a generosity of spirit um, that God comes to free, set us free, give us life, give us joy mm-hmm. and so if if my kind of pursuit of God or my kind of Study of the Bible is shrinking me and stealing joy and making me feel so terribly confined i 've got to ask some some questions about that because that 's not what at the bottom that god invites us to to know and experience in him and so i'm i 'm glad you've you 've resisted that and i 'm i 'm glad you 're helping others see because you know part of the part of the difficulty for all of us who who have done church for some time is is not that the Bible has been found to be false, but that we've created some narratives around what's in the Bible. uh, That's not always the most accurate uh, and and not always reflecting the heart of who God really is.
0: I agree. That's a good answer. Um, I think that I call it building the bridge of empathy. I think Hmm. too often, if I found that if we use scripture too swiftly, we really need to be let me back up a little bit. We really need to be praying. I pray throughout all my sessions before my sessions and asking God to show me the appropriate place and time to use his word. Um, scriptures yeah. such as "Trust in the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your mind and do not lean on your own understanding. If we place that before empathy, then the people walk out feeling more shame and more guilt. Cause if they say, Oh, well, you know, I just can't figure this out. And you're immediately like, just trust in the Lord. Then what Satan does is he says to them, well, see, you can't even trust in the Lord correctly. (laughs) And so it's more about, you know, that empathizing and then using the scripture I found, I've seen some people come in who've walked away from the Lord, did horrible things for 50, 60 years. And when they finally received the gospel message, That and I'm like, I'm a sinner too. And they're like, You sin? I'm like, Yeah, Yeah. like I've sinned a lot, and Mm. without God, I'm nothing. Any good that you see in me comes only from who Christ is within me. And it was funny because I remember one particular time, this person that was in my office was like, I don't believe it at all. I don't believe that you sin. And I was like, Well, you know, I can just give you a few phone numbers of my family members who see me every day and I'm sure that they will you know let you know that <laughs> I am a sinner too so I was telling my family at dinner that night about it and my son was like give me his number I'll call him up and tell him right now <laughs> I was like yeah wow. you get expert <laughs>
1: I'm not that expert person. testimony <laughs> exactly
0: um, but I think like it's so important to build that bridge and I've noticed in your counseling you're really good at that Like you help people to feel like, you know, you care about them and you're not just there to tell them what they're doing wrong, but to encourage what they're doing right and to lead them to the healing power of Jesus and his forgiveness and his love.
1: Well, I hope so. I I mean, I've certainly experienced God's grace for myself and, you know, part of, um, you know, my excitement and what energizes me is um, I, I think we really do have good news to tell. Um, When Paul talks in Ephesians 4.15, that, you know, essentially when we share God's truth, it it comes in two categories. You know, we share his truth in love. And those two things uh, always work together and not against one another. Um, I love how John, Jesus's close friend, you know, described him in in the first chapter of John, where um, he's writing this long poem, but he summarizes who he experienced Jesus to say. By saying, um, you know, what we experienced in him was grace and truth. And so when the Bible is at work in our life and God's word really is coming through, you know, there is truth. There's recognition of sometimes shortcoming or uh, uh, insight about life. But it always comes packaged from a place of love and grace. Um, God wants to do. Yeah. God wants to do us good. He wants. His plans for us are to bless us, uh, not to beat us up, not to minimize us. Uh, So uh, I think that's one way that we balance our seriousness when it comes to studying God's word and knowing God's word. We can kind of go, "Okay, am am I receiving truth and grace uh, uh, through how I'm understanding this word?
0: That's a good point. I was also thinking about how. I've had so many clients tell me things like nobody has ever shown me the kind of love and care and grace that you have. Hmm. And I'm always quick to tell them that that's God loving them through me. Um, But many of the people that we're going to come in contact with have really never felt true love. They've never felt agape love, God's love. Anytime they have felt loved, oftentimes it comes from somebody who's wanting something from them, right? There's a, a double motive. And so when they come to a place where they can just be who they are and be encouraged to be better through Christ, but not ever be judged or condemned, it's a very powerful experience. And that's what I want when people come to see me, I want them to really feel God's grace and mercy and how much he loves them i mean jesus died for us because of that love not to condemn us
1: yeah and and i never get over the winsomeness of jesus's character you know as i you know reread the gospels over and over um i'm always uh shocked and surprised how he led with love um I was just paying attention to Jesus's conversation with the woman at the well in Samaria. You remember? I love and that. One. Yeah, and here's a person who, um, uh, you know, comes out to draw water in the middle of the day because she can't come out in the in the morning because of the shame that she bears for her own circumstance. Here's a person who's been with multiple men. And yet Jesus doesn't lead in that conversation by um, saying, I know everything that you've done, and I, I, I can't stand to look at you, and you're lucky I'm even talking to you. Uh, but the respect and the attention um, and the desire not to get water from her, but as he says, I want to give living water to you. I I want to help you quench the thirst that you have. And and I I just pushed back and thought, what a beautiful way to approach a fragile heart. And uh, we just see it over and over in his encounters with people. And and that's who God is. That's what God wants to be in our lives.
0: That's actually a really good verse. And I use those that chapter with Mm -hmm. a lot of clients. And he he knows everything she ever has done in her life. He knows her whole story. He also knows what other people don't. He knows what led her to that place where she felt desperate enough to begin stepping out and making decisions that were harmful to her. And um, I think that at the end, he just says, go and sin no more. Mm. Like, he doesn't condemn her. He just shows her grace and right. love, but but also doesn't say it's okay to stay where you're at. Exactly. Because he knows that that lifestyle is destroying her. So how do you go from when people come to you at first and there is a time and a period where we have to begin speaking truth and love Mm -hmm. and helping them to see that God's plan, his purpose requires obedience, right? So, of course, we're going to make sure that I have a jar in my office that actually has marbles in it. And everybody Mm. who accepts Christ in my office, I put in a marble to oh. remind me of why I do what I do. Yay. I, I say when it's overflowing, I will retire. <laughs> um, but so, of course, we have to, you know, first lead them to Christ. We have to help them to see that there's a void. But then how do you work at using the scripture to instill motivation to make the changes that are necessary for them to find healing?
1: Yeah, I, 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 take, um, I take a lot of comfort in in that I don't have to inspire people uh, or push people um, to uh, lean into God's best. I know that God is already at work. And um, as Jesus says, uh, you know, we love to, to read Revelations 2, where he says, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And I recognize that, you know, Jesus it never kicks down the door. Um, but with every person that I'm in conversation with, I can know, that Jesus is at work in their life in some way. And so what I try to do is listen for the knock of Christ in people's lives and point that out to them um, and, and uh, invite them to um, to give a little more space in their life to Jesus's leadership. And, and I'll typically start in that way. Um, so it's not something I feel like I have to push on people. Like I love Paul's testimony when he talks about how Jesus encountered him and um, uh, for that first time in in that dramatic way when he was on the road to Damascus. And the way Paul recalled it, he said, you know, Jesus said to me, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? And goads are a, a, a pointy stick that shepherds use to tap their herds on the shoulder and to drive them. Um, and these are just little pricks to get our attention. And even for Saul, who wasn't a follower of Christ at the time, um, Jesus pointed out, I've been tapping on your shoulder in various ways. So part of what my role is, is to listen to people's stories and help them notice the goads or, or, or pay attention to the knock at the door of their heart. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yes. That's really good. It actually reminds me of like, so often. I've had people come to me because God has sent them. Hmm. Like it can be what they've had some kind of, you know, like they're waiting to hear a cancer result or they're just they've had some kind of trauma. And I've had so many people where they're like one time when I was early in my practice. Uh, I had people coming to me and they're like, every time I looked up your name, you were the first counselor that showed up. Mm. I'm like, that's funny because I was like number 10 or 15. <laughs> <laughs> but God can even control Google if He wants somebody to be in my office or in your office. Yeah. So God is usually, He's already preparing a lot of people before they ever walk through my door. Or now I'm doing a lot of virtual. <laughs> so, right. but before they ever meet with me, Um, I was thinking about Ephesians 6 where he, like, this is a great, I use this with people all the time because when they start to turn from the world, there is a certain level of battle that's going to take place Mm. because Satan doesn't want to let people out of the pit. He doesn't want to let them out of the darkness. And so it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of Mm. peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I found that that is always a, re- a really helpful verse for me when I'm working to try to instill um, a desire to change mm-hmm. because it's not easy. Right.
1: Yeah. If if God's voice was the only voice that we had to listen to, it'd be easy to follow him. But the truth is there are lots of other voices. Um, there are our voices of resistance. There are old voices that have said negative things to us. And uh, there are these um, spiritual voices that, that um, kind of try to muffle the voice of God in our life and prevent us from, from leaning into his best plans. And so I'm so glad you read that passage, because a big part of, of suiting up with the armor of God is slowing down and making some space and time to just pay attention and give primary focus to God's voice. Let, let me uh, tune in and try to turn up the volume on God's voice in my life so I can be attentive and um, uh, obedient to, to to that voice. Um, and it doesn't require a, a, a degree in Bible, it, but it does require some time and and some undistracted time to listen.
0: That's a good point that you make. And I'm pretty sure that Around the time I first contacted you to do some, a little bit of counseling, I had been through a recent move, Mm. a lot of trauma in our family, um, medical traumas. I lost a, a close family member. She had been in a coma for six months and it was just a really tough time. And I remember this time where I just had to basically, I was so busy. My husband was working 60 hour days. I was moving into a house selling a house. I was doing everything, raising kids and working full time. And it was crazy. And I was, I was too busy for God. And I remember I had to basically take time and I took five days off. I didn't see anybody. I only dealt with emergency situations. And I just spent that time with God taking walks. I would spend instead of my normal 30 minutes that I try to spend in the morning with God, I was spending, you know, like hours a day with God, just trying to feed my soul, Mm. which through scripture, through sermons, worship, and doing my own counseling. And within a week, I went back to work and I told my husband, I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm ready for this. Like, it's so much easier. Whereas before I was pouring from an empty bucket. And so I think regardless of where we're at in our faith, even if like, I've been a Christian for probably, I don't want to do the math. I'm not good at math, (laughs) but a long time over 20 years. And I still can get too busy for God and start to suffer the consequences of trying to go on my own. And so I think like when you're just getting, when we have new believers who are coming, and they've never even, you know, encountered this process yeah. before. Um, I think it requires a whole lot of grace and mercy to help them to learn the process for themselves and what that looks yeah. like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Jesus promises us that um, we hear his voice. He says, My sheep, hear my voice. You'll know where I'm at and you'll know what I'm asking you to do. And uh, that's simple and clear. And often people will say, well, I don't hear him. Um, But, you know, when asked, you know, how are you making yourself available to listen? How are you getting quiet? And what are the ways that you're going about listening for his voice in your life? You know, most often people are like, well, I I just assumed that if he's God, he could get my attention. Um, But actually he waits for us to at least do that part, to get quiet, to make some space, the good news is, just like you pointed out, there are lots of different ways to encounter God's word in the Bible. It's not only sitting down with a an open book in your lap. You can listen to God's word. There are sermons. There are a variety of podcasts. Uh, there are ways to meditate on scripture. There's music, all different kinds of ways to encounter His word. But it will take a moment and some planning on our part to say, I, I'm going to listen. And as I hear God, I'm going to follow. And that's how we keep up with his voice. And uh, it's not hard, but you got to do that part.
0: Exactly. There's a certain level of obedience. I remember reading through, I think it was Psalms. And I just remember God pointing out all these action words. Like, um, we are to... um, exuberantly praise mm-hmm. his name. We are to, you know, come to the throne. Like there are so many action words that like, we're just suddenly like popping out at me. And I'm like, God is just really wanting us to approach right. him and to do these things. And when we do this, he blesses us. Now he's God and he can do anything. I've had people who I had someone one time who literally had a near death experience and, in the process of thinking that she was going to die, looked up into heaven Mm -hmm. and God said to her, you're not ready to die. And just spoke to her in Mm -hmm. this moment. And after she survived this incident, ended up calling me not too long after that. And I thought like, that's just amazing to me. God will do go to whatever ends to reach us. Um, But we also have to be, you know, making time, to do it, we have to follow Him. We have to seek Him. The Bible says, search and you will find me. Knock and the door will yeah. be opened. There's an action part on our Absolutely.
1: end. Absolutely. And, and as you so well pointed out, you know, when we think about the Bible, there are different uses uh, for the Bible. The Bible is not only just an answer book. Uh, it's not only a treasure map to kind of use as a personal GPS for my life. Um, You know, I use the Bible just to experience God's presence, you know, when I open it up and I read it, um, I I have the sense that he's near and um, there's something so uh, wonderfully nourishing and empowering just to experience the nearness of God. And so, you know, one, one thing that we use it for is for his presence. Another thing that we use it for is obviously his answers. But as you pointed out with the Psalms, sometimes we can use his words for our words that we can say to him. And the Psalms are a a great book where Christians throughout the ages have used to uh, take those words and and use them to express their own feelings and emotions and struggles. So, you know, when when we say things like uh, at death, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I, I, I mean, I, I can't say it any better than that. And it certainly helps summarize sometimes what I'm feeling. And Psalms is full of of, of, of great lines like that, these beautiful poetic lines that help us say what we don't know how to say uh, to ourselves and to God.
0: That's beautiful. I think, too, like when we go through those difficult times, God allows us to. Actually, just yesterday, my husband's looking mm. for a job right now, and um, we moved here for a job that didn't go well. And um, no biggie; God is providing, and I'm doing well in my practice. And but he was; things are starting to happen, and he's interviewing with different places. And some jobs are remote, and he's feeling a little anxiety about moving. And he said, "I said, he's like, are you anxious about this? <laughs> like, look." Like, what God showed me through this move was everything I feared hmm. almost happened. I feared that some accident would happen on the way here and my son flipped a trailer. Um, I feared that we would get here and the house offer there would fall through. Hmm. happened. I feared we would get here and the job would not go well and he we wouldn't be able to stay at the job. And that happened. And I'm like, what God showed me is even when our fears do come true, that he was still there with me. It was tough. Um, I had to really, I had to search him harder than ever when I'm in these difficult situations. Um, but I was like, I'm not scared. (laughs) Like I just learned that God is going to be with us no matter what we face in the future. And so he uses these difficulties in our life to really prepare us for the next step, for the next place that he has in store for us. I remember one thing you said to me that was so encouraging in our sessions was that you know, you encouraged what I did. You're like, Crystal, you're doing a great job for the Lord. You know, you're, you're really winning people for the gospel. And, um, that was encouraging to me. And you said, usually I see that when, when some, when Go- one of God's children is going through something tough, there's usually some kind of an amazing breakthrough mm-hmm. on the other side. And I've held to that because it was a really tough time, but just, I think it's our job to keep telling people that come to us who are hurting that something good is going to come on the other side of our struggle, that God is always good. He provides, he loves us, yeah. he cares for us. He, and um, that was the truth that you gave me that I was able to hold on to. Oh, so thank well, you for that.
1: It's been given to me. And so we'll, we'll just keep passing it along because God, God is not only the God of design, but he's also the master of repair as well and promises that with the pieces of our lives that he can do something beautiful, even with those jagged pieces. And, uh, and we see that over and over. It's hard in, in the moment to trust that, but we've got enough to go on and know that it's true. And I'm glad that it's true for you. And, uh, and I know that you're uh, passing on God's love and God's hope in profound ways to, to people who need to hear it.
0: I'm trying. <laughs> so if you could offer, um, Any advice to somebody who's listening on the other side who's just going through a really difficult time right now? Or um, maybe they they just feel like we're in the middle of a pandemic and the political culture that we're living in is like I've never seen in my lifetime. And so there's a lot of people hurting. What kind of advice can you give them from God's word? As we begin to close this session, well,
1: to, um, to 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 know that God is near, and to relax and and not feel pressured to provide all the answers for your life, but one address where I may send you in the Bible is is just to go to that familiar place in Philippians, four, six, and seven, where um, you know Paul is is writing out of prison to Christians struggling, and his advice to them was be anxious for nothing. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. But instead, he says, um, let your requests be made known to God. You can tell him what you need. But then he says, do it this way. Tell him your requests, but do it with thanksgiving. And, and what I have found and, and come to firmly believe is that if I'm able to ma- to maintain a posture of gratitude for the good things that really are going on every day. Uh, God's good gifts are coming down through his hands every day. And if I can take the time to notice and savor and give thanks to God for those good things, um, it's amazing the kind of peace and the diminishment of anxiety that comes on the other side of that deep gratitude. And so I think Paul's words are, are, are still so useful and practical and applicable to right where we are.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that what you're talking about the gr- being grateful is really a, it's one of those cognitive behavioral therapy mm. techniques that we use. Um I tell everybody they need to have a journal where they write down negative thoughts and in the back they need to be writing down blessings and I want them to start out with writing at least 10 to 15 a day. And I want them to do it throughout the day not sit down and do it, you know, and you know, like a matter of five minutes. I'm like, I want you to be thinking about how God is working throughout the day. And, um, it also reminded me of us. Uh, there's a, I'm actually gonna, hopefully we'll see. I've, um, sent in my abstract to speak at a Christian counseling conference in September, but <laughs> I'm waiting to hear back. I'm excited about it. I'm not nervous and just trust that if God wants me to do, it, it'll happen. But one of the techniques that God showed me um that I will be um sharing in that conference is that when we do have our head feels full of pressure and feel of like full mm. of fears and concerns that the idea is to take those and to it's like a circular process where we take it and we give it to God, and we say, "Here is all the things I'm worried about, and we pray to him, and we give it to him. And then he comes down and right. he speaks to our heart. He gives us comfort. He gives us knowledge. He gives us wisdom. And then when the spiral comes up again and we start to feel anxious, we go back to God. And so we should constantly be in this spiral where we're communicating with God throughout the day. It's just like pray yeah. without ceasing. Yeah,
1: um, and, 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 and that's, that's a so, perfect uh, practical explanation of what to do with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's a, uh, an unburdening by entrusting into God's hands our concerns but to do it uh partnered with with deep gratitude because I don't know about you but I've never met a truly thankful person who was at the same time bitter or uh aggravated uh or panicked there it's just something about deep gratitude that pushes those other things out and so uh, sure is uh I love your model and and hope you get to share it to a larger Mm -hmm. audience yay
0: I do too if I don't, I still share it every day. So if you don't mind, do you no, mind closing us to. in Thank prayer you, today?
1: And God, we just want to truly say thankful, at least in this moment, for the way that you manage to get our attention and bring us your life-giving, loving, hopeful words. And I pray for those who are listening that today would be the day that they make some space and room in their life for you to speak into to their life uh guidance, a new awareness of your presence, uh, and fresh living hope. And we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Greg. And thank you for joining today. It was a blessing to me and I know a blessing to anybody who's going to um come across this podcast. And I will share it with you when it's all done. And then you can forward it to awesome. anybody. I'll do you want it. To. It's a treat. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> all right. Well, God bless. Talk to you later. Bye.